0: I've asked him multiple times to stop introducing me as a treat, Uh, that's why I was laughing. Does it every time, love you John. Uh, I'm very happy to be here today with you all. I feel like it's been a long time since I got to spend a Sunday uh, with Zion Brooklyn and so very excited to be here, continuing our sermon series through the book of Luke. But before we get into the scripture, have any of you ever like decided to do something or make a, a life decision or take some type of you know journey, whether physical journey or emotional or or you know any type of, of big decision you made that felt like a really good idea when you made the decision, but turned out to be much more difficult than you anticipated? All right. We on the same page. Uh, For me, one of the biggest examples of that um, was when me and my wife decided to have our third child. (laughs) All right, there's some of y'all know already. Um, I was perfectly happy with two kids. We had two kids back to back, they were great, loved them. We figured out the speed bumps. They were six and seven and it felt like Fantastic. I was in my early 20s when I had them. My plan was that by the time I was 40, they would be in their 20s and I could just go live my life and me and my wife could travel the world and live this extravagant life. Uh, but what happened was uh, when, when my, my then youngest daughter was about six, me and my wife felt like it was time to have another child, um, ruining all my plans for my life. <laughs> but we both felt this strongly Uh, And so what I did was I started talking to some friends who had more than two kids because I was nervous uh, Because I remember how difficult Having one kid was and then how difficult having two kids was so logically three kids was gonna be even more difficult But every single person I talked to every single friend 100% of them your pastor being top of the list (laughs) Told me that once you get past two it gets easier It's illogical it makes no sense. I knew it made no sense, but so many people told me this that I started to believe them. I specifically remember the conversation when Justin told me, the only reason we're having a tough time is because we had twins. If we only had one, it would be a breeze. And for some reason, that made enough sense to me to believe it. So, uh, me and my wife decide to try. She gets pregnant, and this is where things started to go downhill. It was her most difficult pregnancy, which we didn't anticipate. She'd always had smooth pregnancies. Uh, This baby was breached the entire time. Did never felt compelled to try to turn around. She was comfortable, was not moving for nine months, Uh, which led to a C-section, which was my wife's first surgery ever. She'd never had surgery. This was her first one. To top that off, it was at the peak of the pandemic in New York City. When we got pregnant, no pandemic. When we delivered, peak pandemic. No way we could have seen this coming, Uh, which that meant I wasn't allowed to stay in the hospital with her. So I was there for the C-section. They gave me my my newborn daughter and three minutes later uh, told me to take a picture. And I did, I was like, okay. And then they took the baby from me and said, you could go get dressed now and head home. And I was back in my car alone 20 minutes after my wife had uh, delivered. So she had to recover. Uh, two days in the hospital on her own, minimal nurse help, because it was a pandemic, everybody was terrified. No way we could have anticipated this being that difficult. When my daughter got home, the first night she was home, as I was up at 3 a.m. cradling her in my bed, my wife snapped a picture of me. It's now one of my favorite pictures to go back to there is a look of grief and despair on my face. Like you wouldn't believe. And I specifically remember, I will never forget what I was thinking in that moment, I was thinking two things. First was, why in the world did I think I could do this again? And the second thing was, Justin lied to me. I felt so much anger for him in that moment for tricking me. What I really learned at that moment was that misery loves company. And so this is a PSA to any of you thinking about expanding your family. If any of your friends tells you the next one is easier, they're lying to you. They just want someone to commiserate with. And so this whole journey from beginning to to the point of her birth was way more difficult than we anticipated. On top of that, she is by far trying to think of the best way to say this uh, she 's not a bad kid she 's not she 's just a lot she's a lot. you know I, I always said that my, my my middle was was a hurricane um, Luna's like an earthquake that caused a tsunami, you know like like mass destruction like this is her world, and i 'm just living in it. She runs the house, she runs the schedule she she is so independent. So So much, which is a good thing, but not when you're a parent and you need your kid to put their shoes on. You know what I mean? It's difficult in ways I had not anticipated. And I'm sure all the parents in here can relate to that to some degree. But what's crazy is that if I had an opportunity to go back and make the decision to try for a third or not, I would do it again every single time, no question not even a, a, a second of hesitation, because the reward that I've received from this little girl being in my life, the way she's, she's uh, added to our family, the way she's brought joy and, and uh, happiness and excitement and all of these wonderful things that, that are really intangible and hard to explain, makes that difficult journey so worth it. I would do it again and again and again. And today, as we read uh, through, through the next portion of Luke, we're gonna be talking about how following Jesus is a lot like that. How following Jesus is often much different than we expect it to be. And it's often much more difficult than we expect it to be. But the reward at the end is far greater than we could ever imagine. And so read with me from Luke nine, ten through 17. On their return, the apostles told him all that they had done and he took them and withdrew to a town called Bethsaida. When the crowds learned it, they followed him and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. Now the day began to wear away and the 12 came to him, came and said to him, send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions for we are here in a desolate place. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. They said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so and had them all sit down And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up, 12 baskets of broken pieces. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the depths of wisdom and knowledge that we find in it. We pray that you would open our hearts, ready us to receive what you have for us today. I pray that every word spoken not be my own, but be from you, from your spirit, empowered by your spirit, to speak to your people what we need to hear today. Amen. And so what we're seeing here is an extremely important piece of Jesus's ministry. It's one of the only miracles outside of the resurrection. I think it might be the only miracle outside of the resurrection that's recorded in each gospel. Every gospel writer thought that this was so important that it had to be included. And what we're gonna see through this miracle is uh, we're gonna learn a lot about who Jesus is, but we can also learn a lot about what it means to follow him. And so the first thing that I want us to look at today is that following Jesus can lead you into uncomfortable places. Following Jesus can lead you to uncomfortable places. What we see here is that the crowds following Jesus followed him into a desolate place. It was a place without the proper resources that they needed. There was no food, there was no shelter for them. They were exposed and they were vulnerable. So much showed that the disciples come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, it's getting late. We need to send these people home because if not, the situation might get bad. There's not enough food for them to eat. There's nowhere for them to rest, nowhere for them to sleep. We need them to go now before it gets real late because that can be dangerous. We're in a desolate place. They can't stay out much longer or it might become a very bad situation for them. And the thing is that they're in this rough situation, they're in this potentially dangerous situation, they're in this precarious situation because they followed Jesus. If they had not followed Jesus that day, if they had not gone out of their way to find him, then they'd be safe in their village then they'd probably be around the dinner table already. But because they followed Jesus, they found themselves in a desolate place. And I know this type of talk can be jarring to hear sometimes on a Sunday morning, because many of us have bought into the idea that following Jesus is the path to an easy life. Or that following Jesus is the key to making all of our problems go away right we think that following Jesus is gonna make our debt go away and it's gonna get me a better job and a better relationship with my spouse or a partner to cure my loneliness it's gonna remove my depression and take away my sickness and get me a bigger house and a better neighborhood and bring the interest rates back down come on somebody I'm never gonna have to look for another parking spot again. Come on, somebody. I'll win every sneakers raffle that I enter. Come on, somebody. See some amens in the back. That one was for me. And it's pretty obvious that this is how we view following Jesus. Because when things get tough, when things get uncomfortable, when the situation gets sticky, So many of us are quick to bail on the things that Jesus called us to. So many of us are quick to take the thing that Jesus called us to and put it on the back burner. How many times have you said or heard somebody say, I've had some stuff going on in my life, so I stopped coming to church for a while. I stopped doing community for a while, but things are better and I'm back now. I hear it all too often. And here's the thing, that God in his great mercy does give us good things, and he does give us good gifts, and he does bless us, but following Jesus is not a guarantee to a frictionless life, not by any means. And I know this can feel like a bummer, and I know that every time I'm here, I'm just talking about how much we gotta suffer for the gospel. But the truth is, this should be encouraging to us. The truth is, this isn't a downer. This should be uplifting for us. Because sometimes when life gets very uncomfortable or difficult, we think God's abandoned us. Sometimes when life gets hard, we think that we've done something wrong and God is punishing us. But what if I told you that following Jesus was inevitably going to lead you into some uncomfortable situations? Following Jesus was going to inevitably lead you into some places that you'd rather not be. And what if I told you that the things going wrong in your life might not be an indicator that you're far from God, but actually the exact opposite that might be an indicator that you are closer to Jesus than you've ever been. And so you spent time in prayer and devotion on Monday morning. And you got to work and you find out you're getting laid off. Maybe you're closer to Jesus than you've ever been So you decide to go to church on Sunday morning and wake up early and commit to to Gathering with the body and on your way to work uh, on, on your way to church your car breaks down Maybe you're closer to Jesus than you've ever been Maybe you commit to doing the daily Bible reading plan and as you're going through it day after day, the situation in your house seems to be getting worse and worse and people start acting up around you. Maybe you're closer to Jesus than you've ever been. When Jesus tells us to follow him, he doesn't say, come follow me. Through a field of lilies And we'll skip and frolic together all day When Jesus tells us to follow him he says pick up your cross and follow me It is an uncomfortable place sometimes it is a difficult place sometimes it is a desolate place sometimes Jesus himself, at the beginning of his ministry, follows the direction of the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. Beloved, sometimes following Jesus is going to lead you to a desolate place. And that brings us to our second point that sometimes following Jesus will lead you into impossible situations. What do I mean? Well, when the disciples express concern for the crowd, a genuine, legitimate concern, they're caring for the people that are coming to see Jesus and they're saying, Jesus, can you send them away so that they can be safe and they can be well provided for, Jesus flips it on them and says, no, you give them something to eat. Could you imagine for a second the disciples in that moment? I could imagine how tight I would have been with Jesus if I came to him and said, hey, heads up, it's getting kind of late we should send these people away and he was like "Nah, you feed them they're not going nowhere could you imagine the disciples knowing that they only had a few fish and a few loaves of bread knowing that they had very little money hearing Jesus command them to feed this crowd of over 5,000 people I don't care if they were next door to a Costco, there's no way they could have made that happen. There's no way they could have bought enough bulk chicken wings (laughs) to feed over 5,000 people on their budget. It was an impossible thing that Jesus asked them to do. And in fact, he didn't ask them at all. He told them, you feed them. There was no question mark at the end of the sentence, it was a period. They were ill-equipped to do the thing that Jesus called them to do. They did not have the means necessary to do the thing that Jesus commanded them to do. But how do they respond? Well, first they acknowledge their deficit. They say, we only have, have a few loaves and a few fish. And when they ask if they should go buy something for the crowd, it's not a real option they're giving. They're pointing out to Jesus how absurd this command was. They're saying, like, like what? you want us to go buy food for all these people? That's how, they're, that's how they're saying, should we go buy food? It's not a real option that they're giving. But they acknowledge their deficit. There's no way we can do this, Jesus. And then what do they do? They stand by and wait for Jesus to give them the next command they stand by for Jesus's next instruction I'm reminded of Jesus at the wedding party when they run out of wine and they come to Jesus and say hey we don't we don't have enough wine can can you help and Jesus says my time hasn't come and Mary tells everybody, hey, don't go anywhere. Just, just stay here and listen to what he tells you to do next. Just do whatever he tells you to do next, right? That's what exactly what the disciples do here. They say, we don't have enough to do this. There's no way we can get this done. And then they stand and they wait. And then Jesus gives them an instruction. He says split them up into groups of about 50. What a bad next step. Can we be real? Like, like in human logic terms, that's not a real next step. The problem isn't that they're not grouped smallly. The problem is we don't have enough food or money. It doesn't matter how many groups we split them into, we got the same amount of food and money here. This instruction made no sense. But the disciples, out of obedience, do what Jesus told them to do. I could imagine the confusion going on in Peter's head as he's counting out, one, two, three, four, five, all right, this 50, go over here, stand over there on that side of the plane. One, two, three, four, five, Five, for 5,000 people they had to do this. I could imagine the confusion because of the absurdity of what Jesus just asked them to do. But here's the thing, when we're following Jesus, it does not matter how well or how ill-equipped we are to do what he told us to do. And when we're following Jesus, it does not matter how much or how little sense the thing he tells us to do makes. Because it's Jesus who performs the miracle. Jesus is the one who gives the people what they need. It's not in your strength, it's in his strength in your weakness that provides the things that are necessary for the people around us, that provide the things that are necessary for us to follow him. It all comes from Jesus. And beloved, sometimes God will put you in an impossible situation to remind you that he is the source of all good things. Sometimes he'll put you in an impossible situation to remind you that you are... Actually, but that that doesn't matter one bit because he is the source of all good things. I'll never forget... When my my wife was a few months away from giving birth to our first daughter, and I lost my job unexpectedly. Day of, no notice, no real reason, no heads up, just called me into the office, end of the day, you don't work here anymore, see ya. A job I had worked at for years. It was completely unexpected. To that point, I had never not had a job. I started working when I was 14. I've always worked, I've always made my own money, mostly to buy sneakers, but it was a job nonetheless. And I'll never forget that feeling of desperation when I came home, knowing I was about to have a baby and now I had lost my means to provide for my family, knowing that I still had to pay rent, knowing that I still had to pay Con Ed, Knowing that I still had to pay all my bills and buy groceries, and in fact, my expenses were about to get much, much higher. And now I didn't have a job anymore. It was a terrible, terrifying feeling. And the best parts of me felt like it would be a short season. The best parts of me felt like I'd land on my feet quickly. But it took over nine months for me to find my next job. Nine months of me applying to countless jobs day after day after day after day. And what I learned in those nine months was more valuable than any, any, any paycheck could could've taught me. What I learned in those nine months is that God is the provider of all good things and anything I see is just his means of provision for me. Because I promise you the math does not make sense But when I got out of that season, I wasn't behind on rent. I wasn't behind on bills. I wasn't behind on groceries. Our fridge never was empty. God provided in the most miraculous ways when I was completely unable to provide for myself. Beloved, sometimes God will put you in an impossible situation to remind you that he is the provider of all good things. And so as you follow Jesus and you find yourself in impossible places, you just do what the disciples did. Jesus, I can't do what you're telling me to do. Jesus, I cannot do this. I need you to do it. Just tell me what to do next. You just tell me the next step. We don't have to understand how the next step plays into the big picture. I think this is where we get tripped up a lot, it's where I get tripped up a lot. Because I know what the last step should look like. And oftentimes this next step doesn't seem like it leads to the ultimate place I need to be. But I'm reminded of Mary again. As she's carrying Jesus, as she's carrying uh, 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 both pre-conception, pre-birth and post, And all these people are coming around and saying, this is the Messiah, this is the King, giving her all of these good promises. And scripture says she hid those things in her heart. She just hid them away because she still had to give Jesus a bath. She still had to make Jesus his his three meals a day. She still had to take Jesus to get instruction, to go to school and learn. Messiah was the last step. But she just had to focus on the next step of providing for Jesus' daily needs as a baby. And Beloved, this is how we follow Jesus well. Because if we're looking at the next step, we're going to constantly question, why would I put these people in groups of 50? You're not understanding the problem, Jesus. You're not really aware of what's going on. I think you're missing the point here. But when we just take that next step, that next step is the only step we're responsible for. God is in charge of the big picture. God is gonna make sure all these steps get us to where we need to be, get us to where he wants us to be, and all we need to do is take that very next step. Church, this is so real for me. Because I tell you, sometimes, Raising four kids in New York City feels like an impossible task. And if you're doing the math, we're expecting. Thank you. (laughs) Send Jenny some love. (laughs) And if I'm being honest, planting a church in Staten Island sometimes feels like an impossible task. And sometimes juggling a full-time job and a church, and a family feels like, not sometimes, always, every moment of my life that feels like an impossible task. But I've learned that in my life, all I need to do is look to Jesus to provide for every single need. I've learned in my life that all I need to do is follow Jesus and do what he's telling me to do, and he's gonna provide the things that I need in the way that I need them far better than I could ever imagine. My daily prayer is, Jesus, I can't do this. I need you to do it. Just tell me what to do. And so following Jesus might lead us into uncomfortable places, and it might lead us into impossible situations, and so I think a fair question to ask is, well, then why would I follow Jesus at all, right? If this option is gonna make me uncomfortable and make me feel like the things I need to do are impossible, why would I follow him at all? Why would I go out of my way to find myself in these places? Why would I go out of my way to find myself in these places? And that leads us to our last and final point today. And that's that following Jesus is the only place that you'll find full satisfaction. The only place, the singular place that you will find full satisfaction is in Jesus, is with Jesus, is next to Jesus. You see, Luke tells us that they all ate and they were all satisfied. They were all full. They couldn't eat anymore. And not only that, but there were leftovers. If Jesus would have provided just enough food for everybody to take a couple bites to get the strength they needed to go back home, I'd have been impressed. I'd be up here preaching the same sermon. It'd still be an incredible miracle, an incredible feat that had been done, but that's not what Jesus did. Jesus provides in abundance. Jesus feeds every single person, gives them everything they need and more until they're fully satisfied. And there's some left over. Beloved, when Jesus Provides, he provides everything that you need. Full satisfaction is found in him alone. See, only with Jesus can you find yourself in a desolate place. Only with Jesus can you find yourself in an impossible situation and leave fully satisfied. Church, have you you ever been in the middle of a storm with ultimate peace? Church, have you ever been in the midst of a trial with unexplainable joy? Church, have you ever felt fully satisfied, fully content when everything around you says that you don't have enough? The best place for me to be is with Jesus, where God abundantly provides for every need. In Matthew, Jesus says this, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Look at how Jesus almost belittles the things that we worry about most. Because when I'm anxious and I'm worried, it's usually not about spiritual things. It's usually because my bank account looks lower than it needs to be. It's usually because the car repairs are adding up much higher than I expected them to go. It's usually because I'm looking at some physical need and look how Jesus dismisses that here. He says the body is more than food and more than clothing. God knows you need that, but he provides this and more. The things we need in this life are just, they're a given. God's not tripping over them. It's not a thing, but he's also gonna give us everything we need for the next life. Everything our souls need, everything our spirit needs to be with him, God is going to provide abundantly. Church, that means that anything else that I follow and anything else that I seek, anything else I let lead me, is ultimately gonna fail. It's ultimately gonna leave me hungry. I'm not gonna be satisfied. I'm not gonna be fully provided for. Maybe a little bit, or maybe for a short time, but ultimately everything else will fall short. And that's money, and that's your job, and that's your feelings, and that's your logic, and that's self-preservation. All are going to fall short. No matter how I pursue these things, they're all gonna leave me hungry in the end, no matter how promising they seem. I'll never have enough money in the bank account. I'll never have enough sneakers in my closet. I'll never have enough space in my apartment. But following Jesus, I never need to worry. I never need to second guess because he will provide all that I need and in him, I can be fully satisfied. And so as we close and the band makes their way back up, I mentioned in the beginning that this passage tells us a lot about what it means to follow Jesus, but also a lot about who Jesus is. What's interesting about this this story is that Luke places it very intentionally between two others. Right before this account, Herod asked, who is this Jesus? And right after this, we see Peter confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. See, church, Jesus not only provides for our physical needs, but just as he broke the bread to feed the crowd, he also broke his own body to meet our ultimate spiritual needs. In him, we are made right with God, and in him, we are fully satisfied, both in this life and the next. And so for the Christians in the room, this is the call for us today. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus, even when, you lead, when it leads you into a desolate place. Follow Jesus. Even when it leads you into an uncomfortable situation that makes no sense, follow Jesus. Following Jesus is the best place you can find yourself. And for those not following Jesus today, he makes the same invitation to you. Drink from the well that never runs dry, from the source that has more than enough to satisfy. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. You can be fully satisfied in him. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that no matter where your spirit leads us, no matter what situation following you brings us to, we can trust fully and wholly in you, knowing that you provide for every need, knowing that you are the source of every good thing and we need not fret and we need not worry. Help us to fix our eyes and our hearts on you, to never waver, to never be distracted left or right, to never look backwards, but to see where you are going and follow you. Help us, Holy Spirit, amen. Church, if you'd like some prayer, we're gonna have leaders on the side who would love to pray with you. Join us in a time of worship.